0: Welcome to the Craft Beer League podcast. Today we've got Director of Marketing
1: at Legion Brewing, Nick Mallory. Nick, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. This is uh, yeah, this is awesome. I'm doing great out here in Seattle for sure. Can you talk a little bit about the history
0: of Legion and and how you how you found yourself in the craft beer industry?
1: Yeah, my uh, my history in craft beer actually goes back. My personal history in craft beer goes back about ten years. I'm uh, I'm a Northwest kid, so I grew up in. In Eugene, Oregon, the, the home of uh, the the Harvard of the West Coast, the University of Oregon, which I went to, I like to say. Uh, so craft beer has always been a big part of my life. I worked in a craft brewery called the Wild Duck Brewery in Eugene when I was in college. This is back in like, you know, the early 2000s, uh, you know, 2001, 2002, 2003. And uh, so craft beer has always been kind of an omnipresent, you know, part of my life. And uh about 10 years ago, I started working with Rogue Ales, which uh, their headquarters is in Portland. Their main brewery is in Newport. I was their head of marketing for four and a half years. I worked with uh, Jack Joyce and, and his son, Brett Joyce, who was the president of Rogue, two great guys in, in craft beer that really were at the the vanguard of the industry. You know, Rogue's been around since 88. So from there, I went to work for Widmer Brothers, another um, mm-hmm. heritage brand in the Portland area. Got to know Robin Kurt really well. Loved working on that brand. And then from there, I worked in marketing uh, for Kona Brewing, which was part of the, the CDA, Craft Brew Alliance, infrastructure in Portland. Um, learned a lot about that awesome nationwide brand. Uh, moved up to Seattle, got married. Uh, my wife's actually a beer influencer, a beer and food writer, uh, Jackie Dodd, Um, So it's kind of a family business with us. Moved up here to Seattle. Uh, knew some guys at Elysian, uh, they knew I was in the area, kind of new to the area and they're like, hey, we need somebody to come in and, and help us on our marketing team. And uh, that was about two years ago. So yeah, I've been with Elysian for, for a couple of years now, really helping to kind of expand and evolve uh, the way we go to market with our beers. Um, Elysian itself's been around since 96, uh, which coincidentally is the year I graduated from high school. So uh, Seattle in 1996, very different world um, than it is now. You know, it's kind of the hotbed tech center. 96 was like pre-Amazon, I guess, kind of mid-Microsoft. But yeah, we started down in in the Capitol Hill area. If anybody knows, knows Seattle, that's kind of one of our main sort of downtown neighborhood hubs. Uh, started down there with our first brewery back in 96, um, you know, grew like crazy, added a couple pub locations. Um, and then now it's a, you know, 300, 300 plus thousand barrel brand uh, nationwide. So it's been a pretty great success story. 25 years, we're going to be celebrating next year. Uh, and it's an awesome brand, super fun brand to work with for sure.
0: Mike, do you want to speak to the brands that, were, that are, are in the, the next season of uh, our league?
2: Uh, yes, there are. So th- there are a couple. Uh, we, we've done a couple of seasons, a couple of passes with the Craft uh, Beer League just to to get things going. I and mean, in this season that's coming up now, certainly, I think it's probably the top two beers of Elysian that are, are in it. Space Dust IPA and Contact Haze Hazy IPA will, will be beers you could select in the Craft Beer League. And, and uh, again, the whole objective is just uh, picking the beers that are going to have the the largest percentage week of a week growth
0: yeah and i know both have been historically both of those beers have been very popular with players uh in the league you can pick different beers each week but those always bubble up as one of the uh, two of the favorites out there that uh, many many players select and nick it's a little bit like picking um you know picking the brackets for for basketball it's hard not. It's hard yeah. not to include Oregon. I went to Seton Hall, so it's hard. You know, even in a bad year, if they just make the, they just make the cut. I think that's part of the fun. Is it's not life and death. So people oftentimes pick their favorite beers, or beers they just think, for whatever reason. You know, sometimes they look at the numbers, but a lot of it's it's picking your favorite beers and seeing
1: how they're doing week to week. So, yeah, that's good. I mean, those are two big swings for us. Those are. Uh, you know, Space Dust is a, is a huge brand for us. Great beer. Awesome story. And, you know, Contact Haze was a new release in January. It's been it's been doing really, really great. Uh, that's been a, one of my favorite beers that we have in the portfolio. I think, you know, Contact Haze now, I think, is the number two um, new innovation beer every year. You know, they come out with these top 10 new innovation beer lists and uh, you know nationwide contact taste is number two so that 's a great great swing it's a it 's an awesome beer for sure well,
0: that 's great congratulations on that you know i know it 's work right it 's not it 's not <laughs> play but it, it it must be it must be fun working there i mean from like everyone we run into is is fairly nice in this industry but what what's your you know how do you like it
1: it i mean it's it 's an amazing it 's an amazing industry i you know and it's it 's an amazing industry because of the people um you know craft beer Crop brewers at heart, you know, they're all they're all a bunch of pirates, you know, and I mean that so lovingly, you know. It is, especially when you talk when you talk to folks that have been around for a really long time. You know, Kurt and Rob Widmer started Widmer Brothers in '84. Uh, you know, Joe Basak and Dave Bueller started uh, started a lesion with Dick Cantwell back in 1996 you know, and it was like by hook or by crook, you put these breweries together and and there was no, you know, homebrew shops were hard to come by. And a lot of the old equipment was old repurposed dairy equipment and, and you're welding parts onto it. And so it really is a true labor of love. Um, you know, for me, like I said, my wife's a, a beer and food writer, so it's the family business and I, I, I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, it's, it's hard, you know, it's work, a job is a job, right? Like yeah. it's, it's it's hard. It's work. There's a lot of pressure to it because there's a ton of competition. You know, you're screaming at eight thousand craft breweries right now across the country. I mean, man, I think there's two hundred and fifty thousand IPA skews nationwide, right? Like, you know, it's a lot of competition. So the pressure's on. You know, you wanna you wanna come up with you know from a marketing standpoint, new campaigns, support your sales office. You know, uh, you know, really really help support the brewers and the the art that they do. Um, so yeah, it does have its tough moments, but I absolutely love it. And, you know, I, I, I wouldn't have it any other way to be, uh, to be honest with you. It's a lot more than just sitting around drinking beer, although that, you know, that is and can be part of it. It, uh, you know, it, it's still, you're really looking at the market and and you're looking at all of your competitors and what everybody else is doing. And, you know, I got to tell you, there are breweries out there. There is just so much creativity in this industry and so many amazing beers, and amazing breweries that just do phenomenal, phenomenal work. So uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun to be a part of it for sure. People might think that's all Mike and I
0: do <laughs> because <laughs> we started this, but we really haven't, we should have been to a lot more breweries by now, but we have done some, uh, you know, wink, wink, no, nah, no, nah, but we really had to do some research in this because we don't necessarily, <laughs> we, don't, uh, we don't come from this industry. We actually both worked at a different company. We met at a consumer products company in the food business, but not in, uh, but not in craft beer. So we've had to we've had to learn a lot and we're learning every day. It it is a, a really fun culture. You know, I live in Connecticut and there are uh it's not a big area state. You know, by area, it's probably one of the smallest states, but we have a hundred breweries. <laughs> and uh oh, yeah. most of them are just amazing places to uh spend some time at. They're just uh fun. I went to one recently and I was surprised by this, but then I'm not now that I'm in it, but it, probably about a year ago, I went on a tour of a brewery. There, there were a couple couples there on the tour and they were thinking of having their wedding there. And there was actually, at the place we were d- giving the tour, there was a very long waiting list for the weddings and they actually had expanded their facility to accommodate weddings. It be, so, but that's just one aspect of it. it you know, they, There's a lot of other things going on. So it was, it's just a fun place to spend some time. You know, the, uh, at least the ones out by me, uh, they integrate the food trucks and Mike and I were talking about it uh, on an earlier podcast that they they have breweries, at least where I live and where Mike lives, Mike lives in New Jersey. They've become almost the anchor store of uh, local um, businesses. You know, one of those gets planted. And then it encourages because they realize that's not a small endeavor. It's going to be here for a while and it plants a lot of other ideas, bike shops and uh, different yoga places. you know, a whole
1: different kind of infrastructure of stores can grow up around a brewery. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, you know, it's interesting. Even when I got into the business 10 years ago, which, you know, isn't that long ago, there were probably half the number of breweries that there are now, which is still a ton, you know, 4,500 or something like that, 4,000. And, you know beers were kind of hit or miss you'd have you'd have breweries that did some really great stuff and then it was kind of like you know more misses than hits now it's like every brewery even even a super small locally distributed you know small town brewery everybody's got a home run swing and it's it's so awesome to to have that quality nationwide it's it's just uh you know it's really really great i swear every brewery i walk into there's something on there that I just completely fall in love with, and and I, I think that's really awesome.
0: That is. Yeah, I agree with you. The quality out there and, and the variety is, you know, it's a good time to be alive and be a, and be a fan <laughs> of drinking, you know, like you take a look at it and go, I know we're going through a, a, a rough patch right now, but you know, there are certain things. It's a good time to be alive. craft beer. It's a, if you're into beer, this is a good time to be alive. Right. Yeah. You might want to yeah. throw in like burgers too. I mean, you can get a pretty good burger <laughs> out there now, you know, <laughs> there's, there's uh there's a couple things out there. You kind of go, wow, yeah. this is not a bad time to, to uh, to be out there and be a fan of craft beer, so it's, yeah, for sure, for sure. You got your finger on the pulse, being in marketing. What do you see uh, in craft that kind of excites
1: you? Oh boy, I mean, here's a you know, here's a six hour long conversation. Yeah, I'm sorry. sure we could have. This is uh, boy, there's a ton of stuff out there, you know, and and I mean, the biggest I, I think the biggest question right now that a lot of breweries, craft breweries, are asking themselves is the beyond beer question. You know, it used to be you know, when I got into beer, and especially when I was a lot younger, you were one type of drinker, right? You, you were typically a craft beer person, which back then was even just a beer person. I liked beer, wine, or I like, you know, I like vodka or I like spirits. You know, you were kind of, you were very segmented. Well, now consumers are all across the spectrum. So someone will jump, you know, they'll have red wine one night and they'll have, you know, a mixed drink one night and they'll have beer and, and even go into seltzers and stuff. And, it's really funny what used to be fads like, you know, I don't know if you guys remember the not your father's root beer and like, you know, even the Mike's hard lemonade and stuff like that, yeah. um, you know, and they pivoted and, and did white claw. Those used to be kind of a flash in the pan, but now you see seltzers that are coming on board and there's such an interesting offering that goes beyond beer and some breweries are screwing around with with uh, canned mixed cocktails, which are a really awesome innovation, you know, beers themselves, the, the, the low cal category is growing like crazy. We'll call it the health and wellness category yeah. for craft beer is growing like crazy. I mean, what used to be, you know, when I, when I worked at craft brew Alliance with Widmer and, and Kona, they launched, I worked on the omission brand a little bit, which was a gluten removed beer and they launched uh, omission ultimate and uh, it was, you know, low cal, low carbs, and at the time, it was so on the vanguard of, of that segment, which has now really exploded. There are a lot of big national breweries that have these low you know, Goose and Solo and, and Deschutes and Wowza here locally, which is a, a low hazy IPA. So it's really interesting. It, it's not and, – and then on top of all of that, your big IPA bombers are still a thing. Like, yeah. you know, IPA category is still driving so much growth in craft beer. It is still overwhelmingly the number one category in craft beer. And now you're seeing this broad spectrum of IPAs from hazy IPAs, like you guys mentioned, contact haze earlier to, you know, imperial IPAs are still playing really well. You know, Russian river is probably going to kill it with plenty of the younger and plenty of the elder for the rest of time. Cause those are so amazing from a beer perspective. It's just, I think that from an innovative standpoint, the beer industry is going wide rather than deep, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's seltzers and it's hop waters and it's non-alcohol and it's, it's beer adjacencies and mixed can cocktails. It's such a fascinating time to be in the industry because it really is, the, the consumer is not narrow anymore. So, I mean, and again, like I said, this is a this is a six hour conversation about kind of the drinking habits of your, you know, (laughs) your your consumer nowadays, but the seltzer thing is really interesting to me. What used to be, you know, craft beer I think was kind of turning its nose up at seltzer when white claw came in big to the scene. Now I think a lot of craft breweries are turning around to, you know, what, okay, what's the deal with this? And can we play in this area? And it's really interesting. And there's just so much to do that is beyond, Uh, You know, I got to give it up to Rogue. When I worked at Rogue, they did Rogue sodas and they had Rogue spirits. And, you know, now Rogue is doing CBD drinks and they're in the cocktail space with canned cocktails. It's just super fascinating time to be to be innovating um, at a brewery for sure.
2: No shortage of choices, but I I think what you mentioned is very interesting is that it's not really geared towards uh, maybe expanding the audience. It's actually the consumers that are actually jumping across all of those categories and and they they all are getting traction, even with the, the same group of people.
1: Yeah, absolutely right. Absolutely right.
0: You know, every week we have the data fuels our game and we can't help but look at some of the numbers week by week and we tend to get distracted by it because we're fascinated with what's going on in the category you know and we'll go off on these tangents and just talk about like what's happened with non-alcoholic and the health and wellness area i don't live too far from athletic brewery in connecticut uh, great brewery
1: great brewery uh,
0: i'll I tell you I was not I was telling Mike uh, my my dad for health you know he uh he was just a, he liked beer and as he got older for health reasons blood sugar he moved non-alcoholic beer and I had uh I, I'll be honest with you I couldn't drink it you know it was it was <laughs> yeah. it, it was a it was a acquired taste and I would obviously drink it with him occasionally but it wasn't a, I I was just like wow, this almost is beer but it's you know you have to say okay this is this isn't really beer but now you know I've had some of those and you kind of go really, there's no alcohol in this. It's, it's, a, it's amazing how good they're getting at some of these, to what you pointed out, the variety and the quality. It's, uh, it's amazing.
1: Yeah. I mean, last night, just last night, I was drinking uh, Deschutes's Wowza Hazy IPA, which I think rings in right around a hundred calories. I, you know, I, I don't know too much of the specifics of it. And it was awesome. I, I, you know, and you're, you're a hundred percent right. You know, a lot of, there's a brewery here in Seattle called Ghostfish Brewing, which does completely gluten-free beer they brew with like uh, sorghum and millet and stuff like that and you know 10 years ago breweries that tried to do that their beers were rough yeah when Ghostfish fish brew some beers they have a pineapple ipa which is fall out of your chair good i mean crazy good their stout is crazy good and you're right it it you know, even I, I went to an event where I was able to try Goose's solo uh, low calorie IPA or yeah, low calorie IPA right before they launched it. And I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe how good it was. And, you know, you think back to, you know, my dad's generation drinking O'Doul's and the near beers. I'm like, oh, you poor guys. <laughs> what do you missed out on, you know, now? Oh, it's a
0: whole new world. So. I feel bad. My dad passed away last year and I go, if he could try some of this stuff now, it's amazing. Right. Yeah. It, it. I had one after a road race. I actually questioned whether it had alcohol in it because it was, you know, it was an IPA and it didn't, it tasted like a, you know, I want to say real beer, but it was tasted like a, a beer with alcohol in it. It was, it was pretty amazing. Yeah. So. So yeah, it's it is an exciting time. It's like I know COVID's and impacting some of the smaller breweries, but it's also it's also opening up some legislation opportunities. They're kind of getting a little bit more open to the idea of home delivery. You guys have that right. fairly active. Retailers being able to ship beer to different locations. There's a lot of different innovations coming from both the legislation and and, and different things that.
1: Yeah, it's really fascinating about. Nine years ago, I went to a social media in the beverage industry conference in San Francisco. I'll never forget they had a speaker there that was talking about the new frontier is Amazon for beer. So, like being, or like Zappos for beer, being able to go into an online location and order whatever beer you want. Because what's the one thing about beer, not a one thing, but a thing about beer that is super frustrating is that if you, Mike, you live out in Connecticut, you probably can't get, I mean, if you can, it's really hard. You can't get Pliny the Elder, which is Russian River's big swing, No, you know, their, their, their holy grail beer. But what if you could, you know, because they're not distributed nationwide, right? So there's impossible to get. Like Heady Topper, you can't get Heady Topper out in the Northwest, right? right. Or, you know, Alagash White is hard to find out here. You know, it'd be... What if you could do that? And nine years ago, that seemed like they were talking about, you know, flying to Mars. It seemed impossible. Well, then, you know, COVID comes along. And yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a, a nightmare from a social health standpoint. But for the beer industry, it really has relaxed a lot of these, you know, a lot of these constraints. It's, it's sort of relaxed the three-tier system. Now we can look at e-commerce solutions and we can ship within our states very easily. And it, it really does open up you know, a whole new avenue for consumers to get, to get beers, which has always been the, the number one question that we get at Elysian. And there's, I, I would absolutely guarantee you this is the, a similar question amongst most, if not all brewers nationwide. Whenever we post to one of our social channels, anything about a beer, contact days, space dust, anything. The number one question you get back is can I get it in X? Can I get it in X state? Can I get it in Miami? Can I get it in, you know, wherever, right? And I think the new frontier is trying to, to potentially break down some of that. Now, there's a, it, it's tough because we've got a lot of awesome wholesaler partners and does that, you know, does that impact their business and how can we kind of all get along? But you're 100% right. It really has opened up these new avenues that have, always, that have never really, I think, been thought all the way through before that now are getting their due to be like, hey, you know, okay, let's kind of think this out. How does this, how can we get Mike out in Connecticut, some Pliny the Younger, you know, how, do, how can we make that happen? So right. it works for wine, right? Like it works for wine. So I think, you know, when I worked at Rogue, Jack Joyce, the founder of Rogue always told me, you know, look at wine, look at what the wine industry is doing. They've got so much of this stuff figured out. You know, you go to even a terrible vineyard and it's amazing right? Like yeah. even, a, even a bad vineyard experience is like you're on the doorstep of heaven. So, you know, and they're wine clubs and how they interact with the consumers and you intuitively know, you know, even, you know, I think even my six-year-old daughter knows that red goes with meat and white goes with fish, right? Like it's just wine as part of the dinner table. I think beer is like really starting to head in that direction in earnest has been for a while, but I think, uh, you know, forward it will be in, in a lot of different ways.
2: That's probably yeah. a good comparison. And, and when you think of how many different wines there, are, as much as we've talked about how many different, you know, craft beers or how many different IPAs there are out there. Uh, I'm thinking, I don't know the, the numbers, but I'm thinking wine, you know, brands may even have that beat. So somehow they've got that figured out that that probably is a good comparison and maybe a good model to follow. Well, the other thing that
1: they've got figured out that is so unique to beer, well, not unique to beer, because we're talking about in the context of wine, but the other thing that wine has nailed is the terroir of wine. And that absolutely is the same thing in beer. You know, you don't beer doesn't come from tanks in Germany, right? Like, it comes from the ground, and that ground is important. Yeah. You know, right outside of where I'm at, probably, what, 85 miles away, is Yakima, the number one North American hop-growing region that we've got. And... So our beers, our hops that we have access to will be a little bit different than other areas of the country, you know, and even other areas of the world. Wine has that nailed. You know that you can get a good Pinot Noir from the Willamette Valley in Oregon. You know, you got great Chardonnays down in Napa. You know, you got big giant reds over in France, right? And that that where those wines come from means something. I think that's also, you know, a place where craft beer is going to continue to grow and, and, and has been doing a great job of it in the last couple of years, really telling people, you know, this barley comes from someplace and that someplace matters and the hops come from someplace and that also matters. Yeah. And the water, right? And the water. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. totally.
0: man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And we're still in the early goings of it, but you know, each week, um, there is what we call a perfect six-pack. So there's a, a six-pack, mm. you know, if you picked a six-pack of beers that yeah. would have been the best performing that week. We we're in the, People might look at those and go, oh, those are pretty interesting beers. I wonder if I could get a six-pack of those. So, you know, yeah. and the idea is that you not only are these the six top beers, but you can order this as a six-pack and have it delivered to you. Those, those are the types of things we're talking to uh, people about doing, which I think a couple of years ago would have been, just a waste of time and now now there's some interest in it where that's to your point it's not that undoable depending on where these beers
1: are and and, uh their availability so beers are getting a lot of notoriety you know they're they're uh I mean, I'm trying to relate it to something. Maybe I'm trying too hard to relate it to something. But, you know, the heady Toppers of the world. I think of heady Topper because I'm all the way over here in Seattle, and I've only had heady Topper once in my life when I was in Boston. You know, there are a ton of beers like that. It goes the other way, too. Like these kind of holy grail beers that now these beers are getting so, you know, 120-minute IPA from Dogfish Head. Or, you know, I mean, there's a million examples of them, right? And I, I think that those brands are growing more and more and more and more too you know so i think that's that's a really cool evolution of the beer world it used to just kind of be like give me your ipa and now i think people really are looking for these specific beers that that matter to them which is great
0: yeah we like talking to everyone that we've had on but and but you know talking to a marketing person within a a, you know a a class one craft brewer is, is uh it's pretty cool well, what, for, a lot, for,
1: for a lot of guys like me or you know a lot of people like me I'm, I'm sure they would just you know i i could sit down and talk about this stuff nonstop because it's like i said it's a job but i absolutely adore it you know it's it's so uh it kind of gets in your bones you know what i mean and i mean i'm sure you guys know what i mean you guys yeah. got a podcast for crying out loud yeah. so of course it's in your bones uh but I, the thing i'm really interested about with with your guys' podcast that that really piqued my interest. And I checked out your website, listened to some of the other episodes just to kind of, you know, the guy you had on from... Um, Untapped? Yeah, the Untapped. Yeah, God, yeah John, John Dispenza I, from Untapped, yeah. I couldn't stop thinking about Thrillist for some reason, which I knew it wasn't that, but I, the word escaped me. Right. But like that kind of thing, you know, consumers being interested in the sales numbers of beer, I think is is interesting because... I mean, from my perspective, it's interesting because I look at it all day long, but it is an interesting lens to think about, like how well do these beers do? And, you know, there are, there are those beers that people wait in line for that wait in lines around the block for. And, uh, you know, then there are beers that are kind of always out there and that are always, you know, smashing home runs. It's just interesting for, you know, for consumers taking that lens. I think it's the next logical step, you know, for sure.
2: Well, the other thing i I think is interesting with the data is uh, people sometimes will and and not so much maybe with individual ratings on untapped, but sometimes where people are are responding to polls and different things like that, you know they the way they answer may not always be like the way what they really do right? and I guess what I mean by that, I'm thinking of one poll that was published recently it happened to ask uh um, I guess people what their favorite uh light beer was. <laughs> um, and um and Bud light well actually bud light was not number one you know from the sales numbers we know it was not true what they gave was a choice of number one was i wouldn't drink any of these and and that ended up being the, the the more popular response but when you look at the numbers it it's you know you know that's not really true and you actually see just how many you know people are, are you know are buying at least bud light um some of the other numbers in there were off where um Yeah, I think the one that was off, and it's a number that surprises me, but you know, Michelob Ultra is is the clear cut number two beer, not just light beer, but um, you know, just overall beer at retail premise. Uh, And yet that got a very small percentage of responses in the poll from people as it being their favorite light beer. So sometimes I think people give answers based on what they think, you know, they should say or what you want to hear. But um, ultimately, when you're when when money's on the line, what you're buying, you know, ends up maybe being more of the true testament to um, what you what you like. So well, I,
1: my, favorite, my favorite question that I ask people, because, you know, you're, you're in beer, you work for a brewery, especially in marketing, which is like the toy department of, of, of a brewery, right? Like, you know, you always have people that when they find out you work in beer, then they start asking you nonstop about beer, which is fantastic, right? Like that, you know, no, I, I, I'm sure, you know, few people ask an insurance salesman about insurance all the time, right? So it's great. It's a great position to be in. But what I always say to people is I say, okay, we're in Washington, right? Huge craft beer state in the country. We're in Seattle, gigantic craft beer city. One of the top 10, uh, yeah, top 10-ish craft beer cities in the country. 174 breweries in Seattle, right? Yeah. What's the number one beer in Washington? And it isn't even close to the number two. What's the number one beer in Washington? Coors Light. And it's really? not even close. It is that's four times the next biggest one, and the next biggest one's Bud Light, and that that always kind of drops people's jaws. And here's the other fun fact: is that that's the same in Oregon. <laughs> yep, it's the same in Oregon. Like, mm. and Oregon is a huge craft beer state. So it's like, um, and you're right, Michelob Ultra is a juggernaut. Like the sales numbers on that thing are the growth. You know, year over year over
2: three years has been wild, like really, really, really wild. So yeah. um, the other funny thing, too, I think this is true. So it may you, you may have to double check or fact check this. But I think in Colorado, actually, the number one is Bud Light, actually, right over Coors Light, <laughs> which you wouldn't you know expect either. So a lot of things going on there, and but ultimately yeah. the numbers tell the story, at least we like to think so, so that's why this you know was kind of interesting
1: my My wife wrote this article you know what what are your what are your top guilty pleasure beers And it's like, what are those beers you know what are the beers that a that a beer guy would have like you know in the in the beer chest that aren't a craft beer? And it always cracked me up to hear what people liked, and it was you know it was beers like this it was a you know a, a beer that you could just sit and drink and you know not have to think about i guess so yeah it's interesting
2: well you hear a lot of people talk about stories of just um nostalgia may end up being a a factor in even making that choice i know because i do this sometimes but i know other people have mentioned it too of just you know getting a a pabst blue ribbon just because of you know probably what you what you're remembering of of having it back in college days or things like that and um So that ends up, you know, probably keeping some of these, you know, older uh, brands alive. There's a nostalgia factor.
1: Yeah. Those beers are also remarkably difficult to brew. You know, the consistency on them. Lagering beers take, you know, 30 days to brew as opposed to 15 for a normal craft beer. And yeah, they're tough. They're super tough to, to be that consistent, but certainly a throwback. (laughs) The nostalgia works for people, I guess. Yep. Yep.
0: Well, Nick, we, really appreciate you being on today. You know, we're going to, we're excited about the next season. We're really emphasizing the ability to, for individuals to create their own league. So you could actually invite all the people within Alicia to to be part of your personal, or just like a regular fantasy football league, you know, if you wanted to invite your Poker buddies to play. That that's what it's all set up to do. So uh, we're excited about that in the next go round. So we'll send you a link to that, and you can uh, create your own league. And we're going to be off and running soon on that. So that that'll be that'll be fun. We really appreciate you being a part of the podcast today, and thank you for your time. This has been this has been a great conversation about craft beer.
1: Well, if I can help you guys in any way down the road, or you want to talk beer again, you know, just. Uh... Shoot me a note. I, I I appreciate it. Like I said, I it, you know it it might be a job, but I totally love the industry and love the people in it, and and could talk about it you know, probably ad nauseum. So I appreciate you guys reaching out for sure.
0: Yeah, I know be we're be meeting great. today virtually, but when the festivals start back up again, we'll definitely, we're going to be a part of those and we hope to see you at one.
1: Uh, I got to tell you, I feel bad for those first couple of festivals because there's going to be 500,000 people at each one of them. So <laughs>
0: <Right>? <laughs> I,
2: I can't
1: right. wait to get back to you're it. Right. They, better <laughs> have them in,
0: they better have them in a city that can handle it yeah. because you're right, yeah, It's you, going to be. it's going to be everyone first year where it's safe and everyone's going. It's
1: going to be... It's going to be a huge event. Stadium-sized event, so it should be cool. But, yeah, I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Thanks. All right, you too. Thank
2: Thanks. You. Bye. Take Bye. care. Bye.